we were at the zoo. And a call came in from a very important client as we're walking through in the group. I had my child and a couple others that I was escorting while they were overlooking at an exhibit. And I went over to take a call by the elephants. And I'll never forget my son coming and pulling on my shirt. Mom, they're leaving. They're leaving. And he's in tears. And I didn't think about it at the time, but that happened a lot, right? Where I was a queen of multitasking when I really wasn't experiencing my life because I wasn't switching roles. My work had really absorbed all of my roles. And so I wasn't fully anywhere. And that was something really big for me. I wanted, I knew that I wasn't, I, at that point, I had bought into the old line of work hard, right? No pain, no gain. If you just work and sacrifice at the end, it'll all be worth it. Well, that's just, that's crap, quite honestly. Hello, and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am very excited today. We're going to talk to Brooke Dukes. I'm like, hesitation. <sighs> Trying to create suspense, everybody. <laughs> She's an executive consultant, and we're going to talk about that go, 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 go thing that leads sometimes to this terrible place called burnout. You don't want to get there. I promise you. So we're going to talk about some of the warning signs and all the other stuff that goes with it. And so before we do that, I would like Brooke to tell us what it is that she does exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. So what I do, I work with female executives, C-suites, Women that really they're typically at a place in their life, they've accomplished so much, right? They've gotten to a place where they thought they should really be and feel and be experiencing particular things in their life that maybe they're not, right? And they wake up and say, is this all there is? So I work with them either group coaching or one-on-one to really support them in understanding what is it that they love? What is it in this next chapter of their life? They don't need to throw the first chapter away, right? They have a lot of beautiful experiences. And how can they package that to live a more fulfilled life? And as you said, a lot of them have been go, go, go forever. And they're on the verge of burnout if they're not already burnt up. Yeah. And then I also work with small and mid-sized businesses, you know, leadership, communication, sales, anything of that nature. Awesome. So... Before we dive into your story, can you tell me why, and, and I think there's some parallel here to your story as well, why it is that you do what you do? Yeah. Yes, you're right. There is parallel to my story. Absolutely. I have found myself in the exact same position that most of the women that come to me are in. And that is, I was overwhelmed. I was unfulfilled. I was on the verge of burnout. And I had a big aha moment when I found myself on a corporate jet on the way home from Nova Scotia in preterm labor because I got on a plane eight months pregnant because I did not want to jeopardize my job, a big bonus I was going to have. I could justify all day long. And what I recognized was there was no justification. I essentially risked my child's life for money. 
And when I woke up and realized my child was fine, by the way, it was all good. <laughs> so then <laughs> tell that piece of the story. It's kind of an important part. She's wonderful. But when I really looked at, I wasn't living my values, right? Like what was really important to me? Because the way I was living was not in alignment with what I believed was important to me. At that stage, I was 34. I had already worked, you know, I'd worked in one Fortune 100 company, Fortune 500 company, was on the corporate track, or right? I was already an executive. And I recognized that I didn't like it. It was really detrimental to my health, my well being, my relationships, being a mother, all of that. But I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't have any female mentors. I'd worked with a lot of females who tolerated me at best. Unfortunately, in corporate America, we tend a lot of times not to support each other. And I didn't know what to do. And so there started my journey of self-discovery. And I have a background in psychology, behavioral science, human transformation. And that really started me on that road. And so I wanted to help other women because I knew I was not the only one. And as I started doing speaking engagements and working with companies and leaders, every everyone was saying the same thing. So sorry, very long answer to your question. Yeah, but it's it's so relevant. And I'm curious because you spoke of values, which is a very important piece. And what most people don't realize is they're actually living their survival values of childhood instead of the values that they've consciously want to live and create a life with. But that unconscious programming like loops us back to the safety need to be make sure we're not abandoned make people proud da 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 whatever it might be prove that i have the right to exist yeah. <laughs> um, but the reality is people don't have any idea that that's what's going on subconsciously there so i'm really curious and, and want to talk about this place before you got on the jet before you were, you, I, I know you were given an ultimatum, right? You go or you lose your commission that you've been working so hard, like a substantial commission. It's a six-figure commission that I worked a year and a half on. Still yeah. justify it, but yes, that's what it was. But I, I think most people, the average person would definitely do the same thing because you're talking about a six-figure commission, a year and a half of your work. But what was that place, what was going on with you that you were aware of leading in? Because I think this is so important. Like you and I know the back end of all the whys, why this happens, what's really going on, what you're doing subconsciously, consciously, all of those things. But most people don't even, they're not even aware of any of that. So they're not aware that they're on the edge of getting on a jet that could potentially sabotage their child's life for money or right. whatever their scenario might be. So what were you aware of at that time leading up to that place? You know, and that's I really wasn't aware because I kept, to your point, going back to childhood, right? I mean, it was all about me worthiness. I wanted to prove my value, my worth. I was successful. I was all of that, right? And keeping active and keeping busy, that helped me to not have to deal with that stuff. So there was a double. Yes, it was about being successful and this and that. It was also about numbing because that way I didn't have to slow down to think about what I really needed to deal with. And so that's one of the things that I try to save people from. You don't have to have a significant emotional event to change your life, to wake up, to have awareness. You typically need some sounding boards though. You typically need friends or mentors that can help you because when you're in it, it's almost like you're in a vacuum. You can't see out of it. You can't see past your next step. It's too hard unless someone supports you or unless you've had training and you can have that awareness of I'm in it, right? Now, after the fact, there was so much that became clear to me as I started thinking about it. You know, I was the mom. I, I would always try to be on all of, you know, I had an older child, my son, on his field trips and all of that. But I was also the mom that we had a, one particular 
thing stands out in my mind. We were at the zoo. And a call came in from a very important client as we're walking through in the group. I had my child and a couple others that I was escorting while they were overlooking at an exhibit. And I went over to take a call by the elephants. And I'll never forget my son coming and pulling on my shirt. Mom, they're leaving. They're leaving. And he's in tears. And I didn't think about it at the time, but that happened a lot, right? Where I was a queen of multitasking when I really wasn't experiencing my life because I wasn't switching roles. My work had really absorbed all of my roles. And so I wasn't fully anywhere. And that was something really big for me. I wanted, I knew that I wasn't, I, at that point, I had bought into the old line of work hard, right? No pain, no gain. If you just work and sacrifice at the end, it'll all be worth it. Well, that's just, that's crap, quite honestly, right? You enjoy the journey. That's happy, right? Success doesn't make happiness, Happiness creates success. And that was the mind shift, the perspective shift that I really needed to understand. And it, it, that was part of my journey. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, like generations before us, like our grandparents and, and parents went through that great depression and it was all about safety and security. And then when people started getting college degrees on the regular, it wasn't the rare thing, then that was the thing that would guarantee your success and your safety. So you work hard, you sacrifice, and you you can retire and you'll have enough money when you retire and you won't end up on the streets and all of these terrible things that these generations were really, really scared of but they hadn't tested, right? They drilled it into like their kids and, and subconsciously it got drilled into the next generation, the next generation. I'm starting to see that disintegrate in Gen Z. It's not there as prevalent, which is great, but you have that. They, they didn't test it. They tested it recently in the last like 20 years when they retire and they don't have the energy to do those things they wanted to. They don't have any joy left. They've sabotaged their relationships and they've sabotaged their health. So they they die within five years of retirement. Exactly. I'll probably be somebody that never retires because I just love what I do so much. And creating that balance of enjoying the life along with it. it. And just like you said, it's every step of the way you enjoy the process. Because if you're sacrificing for a reward for later, you're telling your nervous system that you're not safe. Right. And if you're not safe, then you're in survival mode. And if you're in survival mode, you're just trying to prevent the world from falling. And so that's why it feels like you've got this big, heavy weight on your shoulders, so Mm -hmm. much to carry because you're trying to prevent the world from falling apart. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so much. So... You have these memories of your kid trying to get your attention, but you were distracted by work. How were you feeling? Like physically, how did you feel up to that point? I was living off of adrenaline, quite honestly. So, right, the cortisol was going. Later in life, I I paid for that. (laughs) So that was really, again, it was about numbing. I mean, honestly, at that time, my health, I didn't slow down long enough to get sick. And I think I saw one of your posts, right? Why do we get sick when we're on vacation? Because we give ourselves the permission to heal to all of that, right? And that's when the cortisol stops coming right? and everything starts erupting at that point. And so for me, while I was in it, I actually felt sick once I had slowed down and it took me a bit. It was to recover from that and to get healthy again, to get strong and to recognize that you didn't have to have a pit in your stomach and then adrenaline going to feel alive, right? 
with, that's why some people get caught up in the drama of things. Is that adrenaline? No, you can live a really fulfilling, exciting, calm, beautiful life without all of that. But it takes some doing because those are really deep patterns that in a lot of areas in our life, they're reinforced. Depending upon, you know, if you're in corporate America or what, that type of lifestyle is reinforced because it works for the company. Right. right? You get a lot of productive people while they're in it. Now, companies are starting to recognize that more balanced, happier, they're more productive and all of that. But back in the day, they did not. Right. Yeah, there is. There's definitely a shift. Not There are still plenty of companies that are operating with the old formula and plenty of people that are willing to work themselves to the bone to get in there and live that life. But you each have the possibility out there to find a company that will help you have the balance. And and it's so true when you're not feeling unsafe, when you're not in that survival riding on adrenaline mode, you actually are so much more productive and you're so much more creative and essentially so much more effective. It's funny, you mentioned that just not even knowing, not even slowing down long enough to know. And I I know this is a big sign because I lived my whole life on the edge of burnout. (laughs) I think I was, I started when I was three years old and just kept going. (laughs) But I remember being at my cousin's wedding and the whole family was there and I was there for four days, I think. And after a day and a half, I felt like I was, I literally felt like I was going to die. I was like, what well, needed to crawl up the walls? I just was so panicked about not working on the things I needed to be working on. And it's because this idea that for some reason you're not safe, right? You're, you've got to prove your worth. You've got to make sure that you don't get fired. You've got to become successful, whatever it is. When you're driven in that panicky sort of way, it's about not feeling safe. Like that idea of not being successful means that something terrible is going to happen to you. This is, again, what's going on unconsciously that people are not aware of. And so that place of feeling like you can't sit still is a big, big sign that you're riding that edge of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have so many people say, I can't meditate. Like, just sit still and close your eyes. Don't worry about what your mind does. You're like, I can't do that. And then you see them get all mad at their kids. Like, why can't you sit still? You're like, you can't sit still. Exactly. And then you get, well, I feel like I'm not doing it right. <laughs> there's there's no right or wrong way. <laughs> Just exactly. quietly. You're all good. <laughs> exactly. And that's another piece, I think, that leads to this go, 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 this fear of doing it wrong. Oh, yes. Perfectionism, right? Yeah. So where were you with that particular symptom? (laughs) Yeah. Perfectionism was, I was more imposter syndrome, I think, than perfectionism. And it still creeped in, right? With perfectionism, it's a fear of failure. It's the fear of doing it wrong, all of that. And, you know, I feel like that was, I definitely lived in that, right? And you, it would paralyze you at times. Whoops. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. It would paralyze you at times, right? You couldn't make a decision. You couldn't do anything because what if it, what if it didn't work, right? What if it, or what if something went wrong and then they found out that you really weren't who they thought you were, right? That imposter syndrome has been very prevalent throughout my life. Because I am funny, I am charismatic, people like to be around me. And then there's that little person, that little girl is saying, what, why? If they really knew who you were, would they like that? Would they still like you? Would they still think, you know, this and that? And so that was the nagging that kept me going, kept me driving as well, right? Doing it right, doing everything right, not making a mistake, making sure that they didn't 
find me out right? <laughs> that I wasn't what they thought I was. Yeah. And, and I think the way that really shows up like practically that people can tangibly see in their own lives is indecision, having trouble making decisions. Of course, the self-doubt, having mm-hmm. trouble sticking to a decision. Oh, you kind of start doing this. And then maybe some, one person is in your ear like, I don't know if that's the best way. Oh. And, and then you're like, oh, God, well, maybe I can incorporate their ideas, too, and put it together. And you start and I don't know. And then you start creating weird hodgepodge things. But those that indecision, that inability to stick to something and stay focused on it. Lack of focus, I think, is a big one also. Yeah, because, well, if you're really, if you get all in on something, then it's scary. If you're kind of, well, I'll try this and then I'll try that. And what about that? Well, then if it doesn't work, you're less disappointed. Then people don't necessarily know that's really what you are going to do. And all of that piece of it, instead of just be all in, make a decision, go all in. Nothing has to be forever. Make adjustments as needed, right? Stick with it. And I find that a lot when I work with companies is they won't stick with the strategy long enough to see if it's actually going to work, right? They don't have the analytics on it before they jump to something else. And that's it. You really, you've got to stay the course, small adjustments, not completely turning the ship on the next best thing that comes through. Because then you're constantly one step forward to back, you know, and it, really makes for a very difficult journey. Whereas even if it wasn't the perfect strategy, but you had a plan, you had a vision, right? You had a measurable target you're going towards. It's better to stick with a strategy that might not be perfect, but you're sticking to something moving towards one vision than to keep switching. That that's not a recipe for success. Right. Like you're doing a walking trail, like you want to complete the trail, but Instead of staying on the path, you decide that you keep needing to be like, oh, maybe if I go through this way, it'll be a shortcut. Maybe if I go through this bush and over this tree, it'll be a shortcut. And you keep ending up back in that same place at the very beginning of the path and you haven't gotten any closer. You've wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy, which of course makes you feel worse about yourself. So you're perpetuating this cycle of, I'm not good enough. I'm doing it wrong. Absolutely. Well, then you've also got, once you put a vision out there, right, the world is going to bring you lessons to help you become someone that can achieve the vision. Instead of taking a challenge as a learning opportunity, we look at that challenge as, oh, that must mean I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to go somewhere else. I need to do something else. No, you just need to become. You need to grow as an individual and become someone that can achieve what you've put out there as your vision. So really being able to distinguish between that as well and taking every opportunity and really celebrating it, no matter how hard it is, because it's a lesson that you need to learn in order to get to where you want to go. And I think that really lends into this idea of doing what's true and right for you, right? That's a be the wolf quality. And when you are in go, go, go mode, it is next to impossible to do what is truly like true and right for you because you're in that sort of survival mode. So you're worried about making everybody else happy instead of making yourself happy. And then there's that other piece where if you're doing somebody else's vision, then if it fails, it doesn't mean anything about you. Right. Versus if I go all in on this thing that I keep wanting to do, or I would, if I will do it the way I really want to do it, if I go all in and it doesn't work, then does that mean I am a POS? I am a failure? Does it mean that I am not worthy of having this job because I made a mistake. So I think that plays a lot into the indecision and of course the worthiness, as you say it, and I say all the time, is that place of I can't really truly follow my gut because I'm scared if my gut is wrong, 
then it will mean something bad about me and that will, maybe I'll get fired. Maybe I'll lose my big three, like six figure commission, all of those things. And, and those thoughts happen so quickly and so quietly that you're not even aware of them. They will pivot you to do things out of integrity with who you truly are. Yeah. Because when you're going, when you're on an automatic pilot, which is what's happening when you're going all the time, right? You're not, you shut down your intuition. Your intuition is not in that space. So the decisions that you're making, or you said it earlier, is it's based on childhood, right? It's based on patterns. It's based on pain. It's based on fear. And those are never good decisions. They're never ones that are going to be most beneficial to you. So when you take the time to slow down and listen to your intuition, not the pattern. I was working with a person last week, in fact, and convinced that their intuition had really led them their whole life. I said, interesting, because based on us talking, you don't like your life. What you've created isn't what you want to live. It's not your purpose. So is that really your intuition or is that a pattern that you've been following? Because our intuition does not lead us down the wrong path, right? right? You're not at the end of your life looking back and saying, oh, this isn't what I wanted, right? This isn't how I wanted to live it. That's not, your intuition takes you down a path of purpose. So I think it's important that people really look at when you're in that go, go mode, you're not making decisions based on your true purpose, to your point, or your intuition. You can't because it's shut down. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I always say there's two kinds of fear that I feel in my body. It's like this anxiety fear that's like survival, like prevent, make sure this whatever thing doesn't happen. And then there's the fear of the unknown, right? It's like taking that step off the cliff and just assuming that there's hoping that there's going to be an invisible step that will catch you. And that that's the faith of stepping into the unknown. But when you're led by that fear, for me personally, it feels like it feels nervous. It feels a little nervousy, but it feels like this grounded, like leveling weight in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And the other one just feels very frenetic. And I have a co- I have a client, and she was telling me like, she has made these bold moves and gotten manifested beautiful, amazing things in her life. But she was able to do, and she just went for it because she had nothing to lose because she was underqualified. And in, in theory, no way would she ever get that opportunity, but she got it because she went in without any of that nervousness and that fear and that survival mode, go, go, go. She just went in. It's like all the expectation is gone. She is just like intuition, obviously told her to apply for the thing. (laughs) But because she didn't have that anxiety and fear about something bad happening, she was able to show up in a way that had her get jobs that she needed a master's degree for that she didn't have, you know, it's powerful. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, the fear of the unknown is our greatest fear, right? That over a trumps all. And so a lot of times when I'm working with clients and really walking down the path of worst case scenario, what, what is the worst thing that could happen? Because even that will, it will take the pressure off of it, right? It will diffuse the fear a bit because you're really getting it to emotionally and physically experience the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. And then whether it happens or it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't become the greatest fear for you anymore. And you can, you're not paralyzed that and you can move forward. I think that's so important, right? We've got to face the fear and actually look at it and deal with it. If you are, so paranoid about being broke or about not having enough money, logically, you don't want to go broke and and not have enough money so you can see and face that fear. Like, we don't want to do that. But to allow yourself to feel like, well, what would happen if that mm-hmm. happened? 
what are you afraid will happen then next? What are you afraid will happen next? And when it gets to the point where you can see that the fear is so ridiculous that you're not slowing down or taking a day off, because ultimately when you break it down first, it's, I'm afraid I won't get enough done. Then your next level is, I'm afraid I'll get fired. And then the next level, I'm afraid I'll never get another job again. And then the next level is that I'll be kicked out and then I'll be on the street and then I'll be like, and then I'll not live anymore. <laughs> and, and when you get to that point, so you're not going to take a day off ultimately because you're afraid you're going to die. And, and that's what's happening in the nervous system. It's why it feels so crazy. But when you actually look at it, you're like, okay, that's a little bit silly. And now that I've looked at it and I've stepped into it, I can actually move forward from a more powerful place. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, the goal is to only focus on the things that you want in your life, right? Thoughts create. Mm -hmm. What we focus on is what we create in our lives. Yep. So if you're continuously focusing on what you're afraid of, guess what you're going to have in your life? What you're afraid of. So to your point, if you can diffuse that, it helps, it, it helps you to get off of that hamster wheel of worry and anxiety that you're on and gets you to focus back on your vision and your goals and the things that you want. Yeah. I'm sure you've had with when you ask them, what is it that you want? How oh, it's funny. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's great. They have this melancholy. Oh, it's so wonderful. And, but little emotion in it even if they can give you when they tell you though, what they don't want. Oh my, there is so much emotion. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you, that needs to be flip flops. <laughs> right. Lots with conviction are what show up and you have most conviction in what you don't want. So yeah, it's important. And in my experience, I would say well over half of the people I talk to before they become a client, they say, well, I just want to be happy, right? That's very, that's the way to solve all the problems in theory, but they don't know what they want. Beyond that, they don't know what they want. So if we, you got to ask yourself, those of you listening, what do you really want in your life? And if you cannot answer that, then of course, you're running around crazy creating all these things that you don't want because you have no idea what to focus on. One of my favorite metaphors for this is the skier that's going downhill. They don't focus. They don't say to themselves, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. Because if they did that, they would hit the tree. They say, stay on the path, stay on the path, stay on the path. And so once you have that goal, that vision, what no, when you know what you really want, that could be your, that could be a great mantra, right? Stay on the path, stay on the path, stay on the path. <laughs> don't, don't say, don't hit the tree. Don't, don't deal with that crazy person over there. Don't do like, don't do that. Those are the trees. Those are the trees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you slowed down, you, you said that you got sick or it felt like you got sick when you started slowing down and what was going through your head? Like, I know logically you knew that this was the right decision for you, but then all of a sudden you slow down and you don't feel good. Right. What starts going through your mind there? I think a lot of people can relate to this one. Oh, absolutely. There was so much self-doubt. I mean, I, at every turn, I was questioning myself because what was happening in my reality wasn't pleasant, right? I mean, when I decided to leave corporate America, I mean, I didn't duplicate my income the next day, right? Owning your own business is tough. So there were so many hard things I had to go through. And it really, it was all about pushing past the fear. It was all about, I knew what I wanted and I knew why I wanted it. That was for me, I had to really, my children were a big reason, my relationships, but it wasn't just about what I wanted. It was about what I was going to lose if I didn't 
stay the course or stay on the path, right? What, what was that going to look like? And so I really, those are the things that I fell back on when I felt like quitting, when I felt like this would be so much easier for me to just go get a job in corporate again. I know that world. I can live that world. I feel special in that world. I feel significant. I make money. This world is kicking my butt. Right? This entrepreneurial world, man, I don't know that it's really what I want. All of those things that would go in, I would just think too. What is it that I'm working for? Why am I doing this? What is it that I will lose if I go back? And it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle for quite a while. I mean, those patterns were deep. It was, and it was for me, it was less about the profession. What I knew was it was self-love. That was what I had to cultivate. I didn't have self-love. Right? I had confidence, but confidence, you can be confident and not have self-esteem not have self-love, right? That people think they're one and the same. They're not, right? You can have self-esteem and not be confident. You know, they're, they're different. They're two different things. So especially at that time in my life, before I started telling my story, there's no way anyone would think I didn't have self-esteem. I didn't love myself because I was the ultimate pretender. I, I was, that's how I was raised. I was raised that if it looks beautiful on the outside, then no, no one has to know what a mess it is on the inside. Right. I lived my life that way. And so that was the more and more I did work to cultivate that self-love. And for me, it was about giving. Being in that go, go, go tends to make you very self-absorbed. You typically aren't taking a whole lot of time to give to others. You're really focused on self, right? And you're motivated, you're internally motivated. And so that piece of it. So for me, it was really getting to my nature. My nature was a giving nurture, but I lost that person along the way. I'd become hardened. Going up the ranks in very male-dominated fields, I had learned to act more like a man than a female. I had really downplayed those pieces of myself that really make women so powerful and so amazing. And I recognized that being in that world, I didn't necessarily like women. So I didn't really like myself. So I had to, one, love myself, learn to love other women, appreciate them, value them, look at all their beauty, and so that I could see it in myself as well. So that was a big piece, and that every step made me happier, which helped me to be able to push on professionally as well. Yeah, interesting. So let's, I want to clarify for those listening, we've talked about confidence and self-esteem. And, and for me, the two, like self-esteem to me is your opinion of yourself. And confidence often can be associated with that idea of self-efficacy. You think that you can do a thing. You think that you're capable. And, and ultimately, I think those are pieces of self-esteem but for you, when you say that confidence and self-esteem are different, what is it? What are the, what's the difference for you and your definition? I knew I was capable, right? That's where the confidence came in because I was a survivor. I'd survived my childhood and survived a lot of things. So I knew that piece of it, but I didn't necessarily value myself, right? And that there's a big difference there. I didn't necessarily love myself. Right. So that to me, you can't have self-esteem if you don't have self-love, right? But I knew I was capable. That was, and that's what I relied on. I relied on being capable to be able to, I thought that that would make me happy, right? Mm -hmm. And recognizing that, no, it was the ultimate in happiness, in my opinion, is self-love. Because if you love yourself, you can give more to the people around you. And it's all about value, the value you can give yourself and others and always looking for an opportunity. Where can I add value? And that was a huge lesson for me. I didn't feel that way when I left corporate America. That isn't who I had become. But I knew in order for me to be the role model that I wanted to be, that I had to be for my children, I had to get back to that person again. Because... I'm not sure if you have children, but if you do, I'm sure you can agree with me. They don't listen to anything you say. They watch everything you do. Right. And so what I was doing 
I didn't want them to do because I knew it wasn't going to make them any happier than it made me. So right. I switched that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think about what I, you know, that statement about they watch what you do. They don't listen to you, but they watch what you do. And ideally what you do and what you say is congruent. Ideally. Yes. Right. And so I know for me growing up, it was very much, do not lie. Do not let anyone manipulate you. But my mom was doing that crap all the time, everywhere I looked. I, of course, there was like my deep selves that I would never admit because I was told relentlessly to not do those things. But yet on the sly, I was doing those things. And here's another thing that's really I think powerful. You talked about, you didn't use the word of wearing masks, but making sure that you're amenable to like the situation showing up as the person that you think you need to be. And that is for all intents and purposes, a manipulation. And I think one of those things, it's a survival strategy. So a lot of people that are go, 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 they are shape-shifting into whoever they need to be. And I know deep down inside, you all feel that you're good people and you are. So it's important to know that even if you have some, quote, negative qualities or sometimes you have some negative behaviors, that you are still a powerful and good and beautiful human being. Absolutely. So tell me, where was the pivot point of when you finally knew, like, okay, I'm feeling good now. And you you did say that each step along the way, you started to feel a little happier. Was there like an aha moment where you were like, yes, for sure, this is the right decision where you were so sure of yourself? Or, or was that really back at the after you got off the plane and went into premature labor? Where was that point where you were definitely sure that you had to keep going no matter what? It was getting off the plane. I was sure. I knew that moment I had to make a change. So every step along the way, it wasn't easy. And it became every step I took became easier because I was. I knew, I knew enough at that point to know that I had to sit down and figure out to your point earlier, what is it that I want? And not necessarily just the wanting of a material. Well, how do I want to feel? That's more important, right? So what is, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to feel in that life? Who do I want to be? It's the whole be, do, have piece of it, right? Right. And so that's, that was the moment. And I knew there was no going back. And I never, other than being a consultant for businesses, I've never gone back from that and I have never regretted it. It's really been a beautiful journey that I've, that I've been on. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the place where now, how old are your kids now? Oh my goodness. So 25 and my youngest will be 21 on Sunday. So because your son was older, yes? yes? Yes. And so your son got to experience some of that period of time where you had work ahead of time. Could you see a difference in the way they respond to the world based on your being present for them in those super early years? Because you kind of have this sort of before and after model a little bit. Yeah. I can't tell. They're just, they're very different in their own respect, regardless of how I would have parented. And I definitely see the difference. My son did take on a lot. My children are both very driven. And my son, who is very giving by nature. I mean, he was from the moment, he just, he loves to be loved and he loves to love, right? As he got older, I watched him at certain periods of his life put armor on. Mm -hmm. Watched me do that. Right. 
and different. So there's different things where I'll see in both of them, you know, because I wasn't perfect. When she was born, it, I had that significant emotional event, but there were years of me growing through that. So there are things I'll, I'll observe from them like, huh, both of them are very experience driven. They don't do as well with the advice on something they want to experience it. So I've watched them walk through some of the things that I walk through as well. And so it's been very interesting, especially once they'll come to me and talk to me about it as someone who can, who's aware and who has been there already. Yeah. It's been great. Did your, did things shift for your son once you made that shift? Did he start to, could you tell a difference in how he felt with you being more present? I couldn't tell because she, he was always very attached to me. And so she was happier having more of me, right, around. And I really, one of the main things that I started to do right away was to be present in each role that I was in. So, and it wasn't about the whole the quantity of the time, the amount of time that I spent with him, but it was about the quality that I spent. Because even starting a new business, it wasn't like I was sitting around eating bonbons by the lake with him. I was still working. And the main difference was, yes, I did have more time, but when I was with him, I was with him. I wasn't taking a call from a client over by the elephants. I was with him and I was present. So that that made a lot of difference. Yeah. And I think that's such an important piece for everything, right? We are way more effective if we're present and focused with where we are instead of spinning about work and what we have to do and all of the different things that we're going to do when we get done with this, watching the clock and blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, everyone take a breath because I just wound us up. (laughs) (laughs) And so much of that comes from that calmness of feeling safe, like you're okay to just take one step at a time. All those things are going to still be there. It is not a saber-toothed tiger coming after you. So, Brooke, can you tell us, I'll, I'll have another question to ask you, but for now, tell us how do people work with you? What it is that you have to offer? How do they find you? Tell us the things. Things. Well, they can go to my website, brookmdukes.com. On all social media, it's Brooke Dukes. So that makes it very simple. And they can work with me. I do group coaching, one-on-one coaching, and I also work with small and mid-sized businesses. And all of that's on the site. And what's a specific problem that someone might come to you with? Oh, gosh. It may be one of the big ones is I reached X level of success and I am not happy and I have no idea what to do about it. Yeah. So that, and I'm writing a book that will be out in August. And it's really about my story and my journey. And it's the name, the title will be, is this all there is? And I feel that so many people, male and female, get to a particular age, they have an expectation that isn't met and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, we were sold the story of if you just do all of these things, you're going to be happy and fulfilled. And the people that are driven enough to get all of those things, once they get there, they're like, as you say, is this all there is? There has to be more. Oh, for those of you that are struggling with career stress and you're using self-care to lean into it, well, I have a surprise for you. Self-care can actually make your career stress worse. And I have a free guide for you to learn why that is and to learn the one thing that works. It's called Three Reasons Self-Care Makes Career Stress Worse and the One Thing That Works. (laughs) Go figure. You can get that at elevatefreegift.com. Go ahead. If you're not driving, open up your browser now and type in elevatefreegift.com and get yourself a copy of that. And so, Brooke, that when you're offered that 
ultimatum, get on the plane, lose the or lose the deal. What would you give? What advice would you give to that woman? Knowing what you know now, I would have asked her to one, take a moment, right? Think, slow down, look at what it is that you really value in your life and see, and then make that decision. Because in that instance, had I done that, it would have given me the awareness of what I had been doing and how I had been living. And I would have made a different decision. And it would have made it easier moving forward. Or we don't want to have life smack us in the head with some really devastating event. We want to proactively make the shifts that we need to make in order to create the life that we want to live. So that's the biggest thing is really looking at what is it that you value? What is it that you believe? What is it that you want? And create your actions and your behaviors around that. Right. It's like it's the structure of which to live a good life within so that you can actually create. If you're running around outside of all of those values and things that are important to you, you're creating a bunch of stuff that you don't want. (laughs) Quite (laughs) simply. And you're on, as you said before, on autopilot. And that piece about just slowing down, taking a moment to really think instead of just automatically reacting and doing it because they said so. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you, Brooke, for being here. And I want everybody to remember when we feel good about who we are and what we do, we create joy and elevate humanity. And we will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.